Now, I've been looking forward to this actually since uh, last fall when we knew that it might become reality. And uh, we're calling this, as we mentioned, Stacking Hands and Giving Hope because it's all about uh, connecting with uh, global partners and empowering them to give hope to their local communities. And we're so excited to have our Zambian uh, friends here, uh, the pastors and their wives and some leaders. And uh, we're going to bring them up on the platform just in a few minutes to uh, do some interviews and to hear about the Hope Center. But first, I want to share a little bit of history. Um, you know, Brookside helped Pastor Novice launch the Hope Center about seven, eight years ago. But in, it's interesting that actually it was the Hope Center that helped launch something new at Brookside. And to understand that, we need to, uh, to rewind and go back to 2007. And uh, Pastor Steve and the staff, uh, as we thought about the church and what we were doing, there was so much help and so many good things were happening. But we sensed that God might want to stir in us something new, that perhaps uh, he might want to push us in the area of compassion. And we were already engaged in the city and around the world, but we felt like God wanted to multiply that and do something new and bigger, that perhaps we were playing it a little bit safe and that God had a bolder vision for us. So um, uh, what we did is we, uh, we launched an initiative called Justice and Mercy. And we just, we prayed and asked that God would give us something that we could wrap our arms around. And Pastor Steve led us through a sermon series in the, you remember that? In the book of Nehemiah. And as we went through the book of Nehemiah, we could just feel that something was changing, that God was stirring something new. And Steve challenged us as a church to be the kind of people that has a broken heart for the world around us, for us not to play it safe within the, the walls of our own buildings, but to go into our city and go into our world and to bring hope, to raise the temperature, the spiritual temperature on our compassion for the world. So we launched into uh, this initiative we called Justice and Mercy. And honestly, we knew that God was going to do something. We just weren't quite sure what it was. And because we were friends with Cornerstone Church in Ames, Iowa, we gave them a call and we said, you know, we think God is doing something and wants us to really latch our arms around a project and to push us toward uh, to a world in need. And we asked them if they had any ideas for us. And uh, they said, interesting that you should ask because they were just beginning conversations with uh, Pastor Navis in rural Zambia. And they had been... Uh, through Gospel Link, they had been meeting lots and lots of pastors in Zambia. But one pastor seemed to stand out head and shoulders above the rest. He had planted over 200 churches. And uh, so Cornerstone Church invited us to come along and uh, just investigate what God might do. So Steve and I went on a journey to Africa, first time ever. It was quite a fun adventure for us. Lots of stories we could share with you. But we met this man that we had heard stories about. And we knew that God was doing something, and he wanted Brookside to be a part of that. So we came back from that trip. This was in 2008. And we went to our board, and we said, and I said to the board, you know, I think God's in this. So perhaps we should have a project that we can help out with. We could build a well for maybe our goal should be $5,000. And the board said, oh, ye of little faith. Our church can do more than that. And the board challenged us, and I was a little timid on this, but the board challenged us to have greater faith that they set the, the goal for us at $25,000, that we might be able to help buy land for the Hope Center. And so we came to the church, and we presented that need. And as typical of Brookside, 
When you discover a need, you just respond in overwhelming generosity. And so our goal was $25,000. And we, it really, we had a defining moment as a church in April of 2008. And we took a one-time offering, and you guys gave over five times our goal. Instead of $25,000, you gave over $130,000. And God, it's just like the Spirit of God broke through, just showing us that he wanted to do something new for us. So we went, and we, uh, we were able then to help the, the Hope Center construct four buildings on campus. I think we've actually got a few pictures of that. And in the process of construction, we sent Jack, who was working with uh, our middle school students. The, the Jack was just up here uh, as our host. And his heart was engaged. When you meet the people of Zambia, you fall in love with them. They are such amazing people. And uh, so we built four buildings on campus uh, of the Hope Center. And uh, so that was back in 2007. And, um, you know, it's all about bringing the gospel of the kingdom of God to the nations. And um, this, one of the most important parts of the Great Commission is actually a part we didn't have on the screen. And that's to go in all the nations and make disciples. Disciples are disciplined followers. And you know the last phrase? The last phrase, and I will be with you, even to the ends of the age. And God goes with us. And that's Emmanuel, Jesus with us. And that is the gospel that we can do life with God. You know, Ed Stetzer has a... Um, uh, a comment or a statement he said that it's not so much that the church has a mission, but rather that the, church, that the mission has a church. God wants to transform the world, and he's using the church to bring love and transformation to the world. Our vision should be bold and aggressive to transform the world. So God lead us to a project, and, um, and really that was a turning point for us as a church. And now um, it's really part of our DNA that we want to be a church that's highly engaged in our city and around the world. And it wasn't long after that we launched Go Teams. And that was a way for us to, to partner with our, uh, our partners and help them go farther faster. And for the ordinary Brooksider to get involved in uh, global work. But we are so honored this morning to be partnering with the Hope Center because they are changing lives. And it's my pleasure my, uh, just my honor to uh, spend time with them and now to welcome them to the platform. So can we give them a, a warm Brookside welcome? friends here meet my friends from Zambia. And uh, yesterday, we were uh, getting ready for the services, and I was mentioning that we're going to play this song, Taikwaba, which you heard in the background, perhaps. And uh, Marjorie said to me, you don't need to play a video. We can sing that for you. <laughs> so I said, are you sure? And she said, yes. Yeah. So uh, I think they have a little uh, gift for us to sing 
a phrase of this song, Taikwaba, which means I've searched here and there, and I can't find anybody like Jesus. So I'll turn it over to you, Marjorie. Takwaba uwanga Yesu Takwaba uwanga Yesu Takwaba takwa kabe Takwaba uwanga Yesu Takwaba uwanga Yesu Takwaba Amen. Beautiful, beautiful voices. Wow, what a blessing. What a blessing. Well, I have two favorite memories from Zambia, and I'll tell you one a little bit later in the service, but one of my very all-time favorite things of Zambia, and even just life in the last five years, is going on these trips to Zambia. And the opportunity to spend time alone with God in the morning at the Hope Center when it's quiet and still. And the pastors getting ready for their pastor training. And to hear the voices of African men praising the Lord and singing Taikwaba, it just stirs my heart. It's like my heart resonates. And you know, one day when we're in heaven, we're going to have the opportunity to sing praises to Jesus in every tongue and every, in every language. And um, so thank you for bringing a little piece of Africa here and stirring my heart. I love that song. And you know what? This morning, as we're thinking about our global partners, really, this is all about Jesus. And the fact that Jesus is worshipped in Zambia, in the United States, in the Dominican, in Taiwan, in Russia, in every country, believers follow Jesus because he's worthy. And this song, uh, Taikwaba, talks about how you can search here and there mm. and you can find nobody like Jesus. Right. Isn't that true? No matter where you go, you turn around and you find nobody like Jesus. Well, um, I want to make some introductions now of this fine group. And uh, we'll start with Pastor Navas, who's a spiritual father, planted over 200 churches, the director of the Hope Center. Uh, Pastor Navas, it looks like I'm, we're losing your earpiece here. There we go. Uh, our American earpieces don't quite work here. So, but, um, so uh, Pastor Navas, uh, would you like to say a word to the church? I want to say that my heart is broke to see brothers and sisters who have stood with us in the Great Commission. Mm. We are here to testify that indeed uh, your prayers have motivated us mm. to do more to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And uh, uh, I, I also wanted to let you guys know, these guys are so awesome. And their first language is Bemba, and they're speaking in English for us today, and that's awesome as well. I can't speak in Bemba. I know a few words. <laughs> Mulishani, Bueno. Uh, and who's this fine lady next to you, Pastor? This lady... She's my wife. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ketty, and uh, you're a great mom, 
And uh, how many uh, children do you have, Kitty? I have 10 children. 10 children. All right. Excellent. And we're going to have an opportunity to hear a little bit more from Kitty next week. She's going to share a little bit on Mother's Day. So uh, next, we have Pastor Jonathan. Uh, Pastor Jonathan, tell us your role and connection with the Hope Center. Hi, Brookside. I'm pastor, lead pastor of Fairview Baptist Church. This is a church meeting in the capital city of Zambia called Lusaka, about 250 miles uh, away from Serenje. So I'm lead pastor there, but I'm also board member in the Hope Center board. And I'm here with uh, my lovely wife, Miriam, who's serving with me at Fairview, but also at the Hope Center as well. Awesome. Very good. And then on the far side is Marjorie Milambo. And Marjorie, tell us uh, how you're connected to the Hope Center. Good morning, Brookside. Morning. My name is Marjorie Milambo. I'm also a member of Fairview Baptist Church, where uh, Pastor Jonathan uh, is a lead pastor. And I'm also on the board for the Hope Center. So it's a pleasure and a joy to be here this morning. Thank you. Yes, and Marjorie has been of great value to Brookside as she, every time we go on a trip, a Go Teams trip, she organizes all the logistics and is a point of communication for us, works hard, and gone on many of our trips with us. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate your being here with us, and uh, we appreciate that. And now we're going to do a little interview with Pastor Jonathan and uh, Pastor uh, Navis. So um, thank you, ladies. Appreciate that. I was, uh, I was telling uh, Jack, uh, actually Jack was telling me the other day, that it's so surreal to have our African friends here. It's kind of like an episode from Seinfeld when George's two worlds collide because we're used to knowing these friends in Zambia only yeah. and uh, to see them get out of the airport into Omaha and meet our friends, it's just a beautiful joy. Mm. Um, and uh, we wanted to spend some time and get to know our partners a little bit. So that's what today is all about. Mm. And uh, Pastor Navas has been... Uh, such a spiritual mentor to me. He has something like an apostolic calling on his life of planting churches. He, uh, when you go and see the number of pastors, that he's a pastor of pastors, and the, the spiritual weight, it just, uh, it's so amazing to see what he's doing. I know all the people that have gone on a Go Team's trip have walked away really feeling and sensing that the hand of God is on Novice. So, Novice, thank you for everything you've done. For Glad all of our people here. that have gone, we really appreciate that. And uh, my second favorite memory from Zambia has been when we, usually at the last night of a Go Team trip, we uh, get into Pastor Novice and Ketty's house. Mm -hmm. And Ketty cooks a banquet for us with all different kinds of uh, traditional food. Mm -hmm. And we sit around a, a room, and the, the team's all crowded around, and Novice will tell stories stories of faith and stories of his ministry through the years. And it just stirs my heart, even though I've heard these stories probably now 10, 15 times. Um, and one of the, I see Novice as such a man of God, but he says of himself that he always wasn't a man of God, that he actually was kind of a troublemaker when he was young. When he was, he went to boarding school and high school, that he actually was kind of a rebel rouser. Hard to believe, but um, that's what he says. So, Pastor, uh, so we can get to know you a little bit. Tell us about how you encountered Jesus for the first time. Would you tell us that story? Yes. I was a rebel without Christ. Mm. Uh, away from the Lord. Mm. Yeah. 
involved in a lot of fights, bruised all the time. Mm. I was at the boarding school where I thought I could defend myself. Being in the first year of my high school, mm -hmm. I was mocked. And after that, I thought to see those who mocked me upon arrival caused lots, lots of fights. Uh, eventually, uh, assaulted one of my former, uh, my brother. Thereafter. I have a hard time believing, Pastor Novice, that you could get in a fight with somebody. <laughs> but so Pastor Novice is a freshman, getting in fights with older classmen. So they didn't like him. So then there was one day where uh, you went to try to escape uh, from that uh, fight. So what happened? What happened is that I assaulted uh, my fellow student. Mm. I tried to hide uh, from that scene. I went in the room, covered myself in a blanket. They followed me. I heard they were coming by the door, mm. ran out through the window, went outside, looked everywhere where I can take refuge or hide myself, hmm. I finally found myself in the trash pit <laughs> and covered myself with the trash. <laughs> While I stood there, I wondered uh, who was going to save me. <laughs> I, that was my first time to mention the name of the Lord. While I in the trash pit, <laughs> I heard somebody coming up. I thought, now I'm finished. <laughs> then I had to cover completely my face so that I can hide from him. Afterwards, I heard him throw trash on me and something like a stone hit my rib. <laughs> I thought, oh, now I'm completely gone. Uh, then <laughs> I heard him go. There after I took out my head, looked around, I saw a a truck, a gospel truck. Uh, it was somehow dirty, but my heart just went there. It was entitled, Who is Jesus? Mm. My heart just went there to try to know who was Jesus, since I had a hunger to know uh, who was Jesus, who could save me. Uh, as soon as I reached my farm to eat, I saw uh, the gospel with a verse uh, mm. for God loved the world that mm -hmm. he gave his yeah. only Amen. begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish Amen. but have eternal life mm -hmm. then thereafter I went deep in that ghost, in that tract I was convicted that indeed I'm a sinner mm. I came to a point where I surrendered my life to him. Mm. I invited him to come and live in my heart mm. and received peace of my life. Got outside rejoicing, went to tell my fellow pupils what had happened. <laughs> there came a call, mm. but they could not believe it. I continued to tell them about it. Mm. Mm. So, oh. 
literally <laughs> Jesus found you in a trash pit <laughs> in that trash pit. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? And Amen. rescued him from the trash pit. Yeah. Not only physically, but spiritually. <laughs> I love that story. Well, thank you, thank novice. You. And I'm so glad for the sake of the gospel that <laughs> Jesus rescued you. And um, so you started about seven years ago, the Hope Center. And that Hope Center, as we've said a couple times this morning, has two roles. It's a headquarters for church planting and pastor training, and it's also a care point for orphans. Now, the Hope Center is not a residential orphanage. Rather, it's a care point, which means students stay with or kids stay with something similar to what our foster care system is like. And uh, then they can come to the Hope Center as a safe place where they can get a hot meal and spiritual instruction. So there's about a little over 50 orphans at the Hope Center in the village of Serenjay. And actually, when they started, when Cornerstone found Pastor Novice, he was living out in the bush. And it was decided that that, that pastor should move into town uh, to Serenjay because there they have running water and electricity to so be easier to make the Hope Center. Uh, the Hope Center also has an extension ministry out into the bush where mm-hmm. pastor's from in the villages of Teta and Kamena, where there's about another 120 orphans that are helped with uh, some degree of help as well in the extension ministry. So when we go, at Brooksiders go, we provide a camp for the orphans, both at the Hope Center and also out in the bush in the extension ministry. And it's like a burst of energy for the Hope Center, but it's the Hope Center that really provides the daily care and oversight. And Brookside just comes along and gives them a burst of energy. And that's what we know about because some of our people go. But I thought it'd be fun just to watch a video. And this is actually some uh, scenes from a couple different years that we've taken camp. So let's take a look right now of uh, what camp is like. It's really cool to see how giving these children food, education, and the knowledge of Jesus Christ totally makes a difference in who they are as people. One of the really cool things about getting to do Camp Christos over in Zambia is that it gives the children a chance just to be kids. We can definitely be sure that we are making a difference and providing hope and joy in their lives through this experience. Um, The main vision is to build relationships and provide new experiences that make it fun and exciting for these orphans to learn about Jesus. It's obvious this camp is impacting lives and building relationships. So we did camps in two locations, one in Serenje and one in Kamena. And while we were doing the one in Kamena, a girl in Serenje walked 30 miles just to be with us because she wanted to make sure that she was at camp. So there's no way that we could ever lift all of these kids up out of poverty. But what we can do is share Jesus with them and invite them into a relationship with him. These kids really face a lot of challenges and they lead really difficult lives. And so they have a lot of uncertainty about who God is, uh, who they are, And when we do camp, it's just a great opportunity for them to be able to have fun, but also for us to be able to share the gospel with them, talk about who God is and how he values them and to show them that they really do matter. Did you have fun today? Thank you, Blueside! Wow, how fun. So we see uh, some of the orphans in that video. And Pastor Novice, tell us, uh, you know, go back seven years ago, what was motivating you to want to start the Hope Center? First, uh, what motivated me is to see that uh, that churches were scattered in different places. Mm -hmm. 
And wherever I went, I could find many orphans mm -hmm. whose parents' death has robbed their parents. Mm -hmm. So it broke my heart. And I thought, Lord, give us a place mm -hmm. where we can uh, come together, mm -hmm. bring uh, church leaders, be trained for the ministry, mm -hmm. and bring the child, uh, an orphan child, uh, together so that we can care for them while we are teaching the pastors uh, the ministry. Amen. What a great vision. And Pastor Jonathan, uh, as a lead pastor in, in Zambia, and you know your country, help us understand better uh, the plight and the crisis of orphans in your country. Yeah, thank you, Pastor John, and thank you, Brookside, for having us. Uh, the first thing I need to say is that Zambia has a population of about 14 to 15 million now, and 70% uh, of that population are living in abject poverty, mm. majority of them living in the rural parts of Zambia. And so because of that, what we have seen is that generally there is poverty in our country. The government is trying to do what it can to alleviate that but the economy is still small and they cannot be able to get uh, to every family and just to be able to provide jobs for people to survive on. So the greatest victim in all this occurrence of poverty in Zambia is a child. Secondly, we have a disease burden in our country. You know that tropical malaria is prominent in sub-Saharan mm -hmm. Africa. Mm -hmm. And so we've lost a lot of people uh, from malaria and uh, so children are left without parents mainly uh, because it's the parents that travel and as they travel they get bitten by mosquitoes, they die and they are left without, uh, the children are left without parents. But then also in the 90s we had HIV and AIDS come into Zambia and then it just brought a deep devastation um, in our country and we lost a lot of people, great breadwinners for their families, uh, you know, died. And so that just accelerated uh, the orphan and vulnerable child burden in our country. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the problem is really big. And uh, the government is actually looking also to the church to be a partner in ensuring that we care even for the orphan and vulnerable child. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, the unemployment rate, we have unemployment rate in different parts of the country, you know, we think about that, but the unemployment rate in Zambia is greater than 75%. So you can imagine the plight of a child if, for example, the father dies and the mother may have four or five kids, has no way of providing for her children. So sometimes even though their mother may be alive, the children have to go because there just isn't enough food. And when that child goes to live with someone else in the village, whether it be an extended relative or just somebody else, they're often treated as a second-class citizen. Mm -hmm. They get just the leftovers of the leftovers. Right. Uh, so you can imagine the hurt and the trauma a child goes through to lose a, one or two parents and then be shuttled off to somewhere and be treated as um, almost like a, a, an animal or a right. pet sometimes mm -hmm. uh, just to get any leftover food. So that's mm -hmm. why it's so important for the Hope Center to be this place of safety mm -hmm. where love can be given and care um, and food. And uh, so our GO team just got back two weeks ago, and they actually sat down with some of the students. And if you hear their stories, it literally breaks your heart. 
And we know that when students come and start at the Hope Center, they're thin, they're sad, they've been traumatized. Sometimes it takes a year or two until you see them smile mm -hmm. and play like normal children. But um, so we interviewed a few of the students and uh, just to give you a sense of the hardships that these children face. So I thought we'd play that for you right now. My name is Lucky Sandula. I am grade six. Hope of we my name is Rusha Kundayam in grade five. If I toilet color farm no mammy, for number of dad by shape Bye, <laughs> my name is Zemwape. I am in grade six. If I were to go to Zambia, number, but that body is I'm at it. Tule, I'm going to so, so, if you have a little bit of 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 a little bit of
Fubaire no kuyabandembesha no kundembesha. Futuatampile no kufola. Ukudianda dia fia kufala fiance fie. Balanchila so inende totela. Desale babala. So you can see um, uh, the orphans uh, face such hard challenges for these little kids. And that's why it's so important that uh, Christians step up and they are, stand in that gap and, and help those kids with a place of safety and love and providing meals for them so they know they can get at least one hot meal. Well, orphan care is such an important part of the Hope Center, but it's not the only piece that uh, the Hope Center is about. It's also a headquarters for pastor training and uh, church planting. And actually, there's an entire cycle that happens, a life cycle of church planting. I wanted to show you a little graphic here that will help you better understand that because we're really only focused as much on the pastor training. But I think we're going to put that on the screens now. That process begins with an evangelism trip the pastor novice takes into the bush, into unreached areas. And they, they share Jesus with people. Those people that decide to follow Christ, then they're followed up on on return trips. And then eventually a church is started. And then over time, a leader from that church is designated and they becomes a shepherd. And then that person hopefully gets trained in the pastor training. And part of pastor training is to go out into the bush again on church planting trips. So it's an entire uh, cycle. The pastor training that Novice has established is a three-year training for pastors. In fact, I think we've got a, a picture of a, a typical church out in the bush uh, it's one of the churches I got to visit with Pastor Novice. Um, and the, the pastors here, the shepherds, just don't have enough resources to go to a formal school. So that's why Pastor Novice has stepped in and had a three-year training program where people come for uh, one week, four times a year, and get trained to teach the Bible. And Brookside has been the opportunity uh, to do one of those weeks every year. And we've got a little video to show you about that. So this is the pastor training. These pastors are so eager to learn about God's Word, and they just soak up every little bit they can get. Through the course of three years, a pastor completes a whole series of coursework that qualifies him to be certified. What we do on a given week when we're there for pastor training is the morning starts off with devotions led by the pastor, and then it's us Brookside teachers training these pastors in different areas. These are men who I think embody the real heart of the Apostle Paul. And they bring to the setting this passion for God's Word. They're the greatest learners because they desire very much to receive additional training and guidance. It is very important for the pastor's training, more especially in Zambia, because we have got very few colleges that are offering theology. Some of the pastors of the training were there from 300 kilometers away. There were over 100 applicants that had applied for the 15 to 20 slots that we had for this Hope Center training. And in these 15 pastors represent 15 churches. And these 15 churches are embedded in 15 communities around Zambia. For most of these pastors, probably all of them, the only book they own is their Bemba Bibles. Last year, 
we gave all the pastors another Bible. And a pastor came up to me after that gift was given, and he was so grateful because he said in his church of 157 people, they had three Bibles to share among all those people. We are very grateful in behalf of my, my friends, my pastors. This book will enrich me and will help us understand the, the Word of God fully. Things I've gotten from this ministry will help my church altogether in spreading the gospel to the people around this community. That's the ripple effect that serving 15 pastors can have on a whole area of Zambia. But what we're going to be doing with Novice is, as they develop teams to go into these unreached areas and plant churches, Brookside is going to know specifically when those dates are so we can pray. At the times these teams are going out, we can pray at those same times that the gospel is reaching into unreached areas of Zambia. Our giving will go towards covering the food and the transport costs of getting these pastors into these regions. And then it'll also go towards providing Bibles so that way men and women who choose to follow Jesus will be able to have God's word in their language. Novice is a church planting guy. He's planted over 200 churches in his lifetime and he's got great vision for planting even more churches. It's a great partnership and it's one that I'm glad that Brookside continues to forge and to pursue in servicing the people in Zambia. I can say thank you so much for HCC and in partnership with the American brothers and sisters who is helping us to bring this training to Zambia. Mm, so as we said, church planting is so important to the gospel, the spread of the gospel. And uh, Aaron Shaw does a lot of leadership with our global work, and he actually had an unusual and fantastic opportunity to go with uh, Pastor Novice into the bush on a trip like that. And I'm going to yeah. let you take it away, Aaron. Cool. Thanks, John. Yeah, Pastor Novice, what a joy and honor to see you on this side of the ocean. Mm. Um, it's great to have you here at Brookside, and yeah, we're, we're very privileged. So thank you for coming and, and being spending this time with us. Um, you know, during my three trips to Zambia, I've learned a lot from you and about uh, evangelism and church planting, and uh, it's, it's, you know, it's been, it's been really great um, for me to see um, your life and what God is doing in you. And I know a big part of your life in Zambia is this church planting cycle, is taking these trips with a group of pastors to an unreached village to share the gospel um, of Jesus. Can you share with us a little more um, about that, that process and what that, what that is from your perspective? What it is, whenever we have students, um, we organize them in such a way that before they graduate, they must plant three churches, mm. one, year each, one, one church in each year. So we first send them for um, survey where there is potential for church planting. Mm. They get permission from government officials so that when we get there, we don't, they don't get them on surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, so when that time comes, we just go straight into that place where the Lord has been at work already waiting on us. So once we get there, we go flat out witnessing two by two. There, after uh, three or four days, we invite those who have accepted Christ as their personal Savior and Lord of their lives mm -hmm. uh, for Bible basics to teach them uh, what it means and the assurance of salvation. Um, 
Thereafter, on Sunday, we therefore baptize those who accepted Christ as their personal Savior and Lord of their lives and uh, put in place the interim leadership who could carry out the work while we are gone. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't take time. We make a follow-up again to come and see and encourage the church how they are doing. But uh, we also see the need for literature. Mm. They need Bibles. They also need to praise the Lord with hymnals. And that has been uh, uh, a help that um, Hope Center, with the help of Brookside, mm -hmm. that has been given to those churches, young churches which are coming up. Mm. Wow, yeah. I, I love reminiscing with you about uh, the trip we went on that John mentioned about uh, six years ago, I think it was, and, and walking the, the paths together and going from hut to hut and just sharing um, the love of Jesus with people who have probably never heard before. And I, I remember the, the light in your eyes as you share the gospel with someone, and it just, you can bring the gospel to life um, in so many ways for people. And I've got, uh, I think there's a photo they're going to throw up here about, uh, there's a, a picture of you um, sharing the gospel on one of these trips. And what struck me was how you could make the gospel applicable to people's lives, no matter what was going on. So whether a man was sharpening a machete or a woman was feeding her kids, you just made the gospel come to life for them and make sense. And uh, I learned that and I, I just love that um, about you and about, uh, about your strategy and kind of how, how God has, has gifted you. Um, so about six years ago, you and I and a group of other pastors shared the gospel in this little church. Tell us, or in this little village, tell us more. Um, is that church still around or what's, uh, what's going on there? That church is still in existence. It has grown. The, we have put up pastors, have been trained on that church. They are also in a place where they could also extend uh, the work to some nearby places. Mm. They are witnessing. Yeah. They still remember you, <laughs> the work that you did there. Wow. Well, praise God. That's, that's amazing. Mm. What, uh, what a cool thing. Um, you know, it's also been fun for Brookside to be connected to the church in Teda. Uh, which John mentioned. That's one of the churches that you uh, help oversee. I think we have some pictures of that also um, over the few years that we've been connected with them. This was the church in Teddy. You can see the grass um, roof and the grass uh, walls there. And um, yeah, that was, that was some years ago. Tell us, Pastor, about some of the, the problems uh, they were experiencing at that time uh, with that church. The main problem that they experienced mainly when the rain comes. It could be at the time when they are receiving the spiritual food and the rain just pours in mm. and it distracts everything. They run, jump here and there <laughs> trying to find shelter yeah. and everything is disrupted. Mm. So it was a terrible thing yeah. that when uh, you want to bring them uh, back again, the they are soaked, shivering. Hmm. It's just <laughs> horrible. Yeah. And, and tell us about, I've heard some stories about when people would pass by the church, uh, what, would, what would be their reaction or their, uh, their view of the church as they were huddled trying to dodge raindrops and cold? Yeah, they, they could uh, look at them as a vulnerable church, hmm. as if they 
they have no stand anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, these people could not, they thought they, they are not even connected to anybody. They are mm -hmm. just wondering about, they don't know what they are doing. Sure, mm -hmm. and even I've heard people would walk by and, and they'd be mocking the church as they were sitting there trying to, uh, trying to worship true. God mm -hmm. in the rain and they mm -hmm. would be making fun of them and mocking them. Um, and, and at that time, Brookside, we heard, heard about the need and uh, we partnered with this growing church and um, intended to construct a building that would, they could have services in, but keep the rain out. Yeah. So here's some pictures of, of that, that experience. Um, in preparation, the people there made hundreds of these mud bricks that you see and, and began constructing the walls. And then Brookside sent some funds to buy some metal uh, for the roof. And then a GO team went over there to help construct uh, and put together the roof um, system there. Under the beautiful blue African sky, you can see we partnered together and, and, uh, and put the roof on this church. And it was, yeah, it was, it was such a beautiful, um, I guess, example and picture of just working together in partnership. And even though there was, you know, language barriers and all those things, but joining hands and working together to glorify God in this project uh, together. So, Navis, tell us um, what difference has this, this building and this project and this roof made uh, for this church in Teta? It began attracting the people uh, to that place of worship. They also were received, whenever they go for witnessing, mm. they could now accept them because they could see where they are coming from. Mm -hmm. okay. Even the building itself, it was part of testimony yeah. uh, to the community. Mm. Wow. You know, it was so fun to be uh, go following up. I wasn't on Aaron's trip, but after that was there and to see the difference. And I kind of feel like, you know, Ty uh, Pennington, I think it was, I moved that bus. Well, mm -hmm. on, the, on this side, you see the, the grass church. And on this side was the dedication service, which I got a chance to be on. And to see everyone out in the community coming out for that mm -hmm. and uh, the steel roof. It's just such a joy to see the gospel go out in uh, all these places. It's been such a fun to see the work of the Hope Center. And um, I want to just mention a couple things. So Pastor Navis is a hardworking guy. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he gets back from traveling from here, from Nebraska, he's going to go right into a church planting trip. Mm -hmm. And we're going to pray for him as a church. And he has a vision of planting on this trip. It's a two-week trip out in the bush. going to take a lot of pastors with him. going to break up in different communities. He wants to plant nine churches. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the next several weeks when he gets back. So we're going to pray for him. And uh, hopefully through uh, some email communication when they get back, we'll have a little bit of news that we can post on uh, our Impact Facebook page. But Brookside is also going to be providing Bibles and hymnals for uh, that trip. So the people that receive Christ and the leaders in those churches can have Bibles. So it's a way that we can come alongside the amazing work that the, the local pastors and pastor novice are doing and empower them to take the gospel into these unreached villages in Zambia. And we want you to join in prayer. Prayer is so important. And if you know pastor novice and Ketty, they are people of prayer. We want you to pray for the work of the Hope Center, for the orphans and for the church planting. Today, as you leave, we're going to give you a prayer magnet. You can put it on your refrigerator. So every time you go to the refrigerator, you can see it. You can remember to pray for the work of Pastor Novice. Novice has a vision of planting 50 more churches before God calls him home, which we hope is many, many, many years down the road.
But uh, we, we want you to be prayer partners with that. And now we're going to have a special opportunity to actually take communion in a global way. So I'm going to invite uh, Rob out as, as I pray and just pray over their church planting efforts. So let's pray right now. Father, we thank you so much for the work of Pastor Navis and so many other believers that are faithful in the country of Zambia. And God, we would pray as he goes out into these unreached villages that you would anoint his work, the Holy Spirit would do something amazing and that nine churches would be planted. And we pray that the name of Jesus would be lifted high in every part of these villages. And we pray this in your name. Amen.